Welcome to the Design Imposter Podcast, the show where we explore the enigmatic world of imposter syndrome through the lens of design, community, and empowerment. I'm Monique Jenkins. And I'm Jessica Vallis. We're your co-hosts for the show and the founders of the Creative Circle Collective, a design agency that strengthens community links for nonprofits and corporate businesses by creating powerful brands and websites. On this podcast, we bridge the gap between design and imposter syndrome, sharing relatable stories, insights, and practical advice that empowers designers and business owners just like you to conquer self-doubt and unleash your true potential. Join us as we explore the relationship between design, community, and creativity. Welcome to Design Imposter. Welcome to the Design Imposter Podcast. I'm Monique Jenkins, and today we're going to be talking about career crossroads. So what happens when you get laid off from your job or if you want to phase into a new career in entrepreneurship? And especially if you are thinking about quitting your job and the important signs that it's time. Yeah. So what are some of the signs that it's time for you to quit your job? Well, first and foremost is the personal dissatisfaction you have from your job. Um, if you just hate going in, if you dread it, if you're not, not to say you're having fun at your job, but Mm -hmm. you know, there's just no, you don't get anything out of it. I used to drive into work thinking, what am I doing with my life? Like, who am I helping? Who am I serving? Mm -hmm. If you don't have that answer, it's probably time to move on. Um, another one is professional growth and stagnation. So if You've reached the top of your game in your position and there are no other, you know, steps to take up. Nobody will allow you to step up. There's no room for um, lateral changes. Then it's probably time to go. Um, Another big one is the toxic work environment, which I think everybody can say they've experienced before where corporate is like high school. Mm -hmm. You've got the back talking or the behind the back talking, uh, the gossip, um, jealousy. Yep. Just, it's total mean girls out there. Yeah. I think that I've probably experienced all of those at one company. Uh, I recently got laid off, which was actually a really good thing. Um, because it gives me the latitude to work on our business and endeavor and like focus my effort fully. But I think that probably about a year ago, I started to feel like just like dread about the whole situation. It just became very much of a, like a space where like there was a lot of gossip. There was just a lot of foolishness and it didn't feel well worth it. And I'm a person who like truly invests themselves in the company that I'm in. Also, I knew it was time to leave because the majority of meetings on my calendar were just meetings with my coworkers for them to vent. They weren't anything about us talking about work. We were literally booking meetings on our calendar just so that people could be like, oh my God, I'm so sick of these people. Just like talk me down. And that's what a majority of my meetings became. It's just like, hey, just give me like 30 minutes so you could talk me off the ledge because I'm about to lose it. And then we can go back to normal. And I found that to be incredibly disconcerting. Super amazing from like a community building aspect because like I'm still friends with all those <laughs> Communal <people>. hate. <laughs> We're building a community. Um, but I just kept thinking in my head, like I just can't believe like how much of myself is going into a company that no longer serves the values that I think that they had at the beginning of my experience. There's a fourth thing that I didn't get a chance to mention, which was the misalignment of values. So when you're evaluating your personal values and comparing them to the company and you find that like maybe there's ethical concerns Mm -hmm. or things that just don't align. Um, Like for me, I had this HR incident where um, 
somebody had made a sexual gesture with me and it went up to HR mm-hmm. and they didn't get let go, even though we worked in the same office. And it was, it was incredibly vulgar what they did. Wow. So that was a big indication on the priority of the company that they would rather keep this person than bring somebody else in and spend the money to train them. Wow. I've had a similar experience. Mine's wasn't about like sexual vulgarness, but it was wildly inappropriate. My manager at the time came into the office sloshed, like full on intoxicated, like fell in the hallway. I had to like shush her out of the building opened up her purse. There were wine bottles in there. It was like, mind you, it was like nine o'clock in the morning. It was really ridiculous. I like spent, she came in and she was like, Hey, I was like, Hey. And I was like, Hmm, that's interesting. She wasn't as cordial all the time. Um, and then, uh, I could tell that she was drunk and I was like, Oh my God, I got to get this woman out of the building. So I was trying to like shush her to like the elevators. I'm like, come on, let's go. I'm like, she's sick. She needs to go home. She had a bunch of meetings that day that I needed to cover for her for. Got her to the elevator door. Of course, the freaking like exec of marketing or something like that, the the, like M team leadership or the, the big corporate guys were like having a meeting in a very glass room. We walk to the elevators and she falls like falls to the ground, just like passes out basically. And they're all looking. But before she did that, marketing guy was coming towards her. She's like, hey, Bob, we need to talk about something. And literally for probably like five minutes, we all stood there looking at each other and she never said a word. Like she was like, we need to talk about something. And then nothing, like nothing came out of her mouth. We're literally standing there. I was like, well, I sure as hell don't know what you were going to say. So we're just like standing there looking at each other. And then eventually he was like, okay, well, I got to go to a meeting and walks away. Soon as he goes in the room and closes the door, he says something. They turn around and look at us and she buckles, falls. And I like catch her like this. I drag her into the elevator. I had to get one of the uh, marketing managers to Uber with her because she was way too intoxicated to be by herself to get her home. And then she ghosted us for like two weeks. Didn't hear from her. And Busiest then did she time. come back? Yep. Came back. Everyone acted like nothing happened. Like, of course, a couple of execs came up to me and were like, hey, is everything okay? I'm like, in my head, I was like, of course not. You literally just saw what happened. Nothing's okay. And they were like, is she not feeling good? I'm like, I don't know. She seemed to not be I, doing well. I think that's a huge thing with corporations is they lack or they fail to see when somebody's having a mental crisis. Yep. I remember coming into work and I would just be this was before I was on depression medication Mm -hmm. or anything. I would come into work and I was just having like a depressed spell. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I just wanted to go sit at my desk and do my work and not be bothered. And they'd be like, well, Jess is in a bad mood today. And Mm -hmm. then they'd go talk to the manager about it. And they'd be like, well, you're not a team player. Yeah. I'm like, I I just, I was just having a moment of being human. Mm -hmm. Is that okay? Yeah. No, it never happened like that. Like those those issues with that manager were never addressed. And then subsequently, like I went on to, I was like, this is not a safe environment for me to be in. And I later left and went to another organization. She stayed there for probably another year, year and a half or whatever. And um, subsequently, 
uh, succumbed to the drinking and passed away. Oh, but I was dang. like, this was a real issue that no, one, like ever. Apparently, everyone knew about it, and no one said anything to me. I don't know any alcoholics, so they were like, Monique, you didn't smell the alcohol. I'm like, I don't know what alcohol smells like. I'm 18 years old. I'm not supposed to be <laughs> drinking. I'm a square. Like I have nothing. They're like, you don't smell like the alcohol on her breath. You don't know that she disappears for long periods of time. So like, yeah, she. I assume she's in a meeting. They're like you never saw her taking sake bombs downstairs. This is DC, so um, you can drink. <laughs> <laughs> you can drink, you can buy alcohol like CVS and things like that. And I'm like, no, I was like, I just thought she was crazy. If I'm being honest, I'm like, she would be in the office. She start banging her keyboard on the desk and stuff like that. And I was like, she's a very emotional boss, but I never like, it never crossed my mind that something was wrong. But you know, this would be a really good way to say like, if, corporate or I'm sorry if management was like Monique why didn't you recognize the signs as if it's your fault yep. and then all of a sudden they begin to scapegoat on yep. you and this was something I experienced at my first internship mm -hmm. when um, I was doing marketing and PR which I decided very quickly I did not want to do ever again yeah um, we had to send out this videotape for a promotion to like a news channel I put it in a FedEx envelope mailed it next week was spring break I go to England for a week I come back and I've got all these voice messages about why was the FedEx envelope opened and the tape missing? I'm like, I have no clue. I was in England. It was FedEx. It was certified mail. Yeah. And from that point on, everything that went wrong within the department was my fault. Yeah. And horribly toxic. I don't, I never put that on my resume, yeah. that job, because it, I was like, no. Yeah. I just... I think that, you know, the signs that we're referring to can come in very casual, like, settings. It could be very minute. Like, I think that some of it is not as apparent as, like, being drunk in the office or, like, overtly having this, like, sexual uh, harassment. I think some things are just very minute. And I think back to, like, a younger me and was thinking, like, she would, like, bang her keyboard on the desk. And no one saw that as being problematic behavior. And she never got called up by each Oh, yeah. Job. That was that yeah. was the thing that happened at my job, too. I was like, and that was crazy. I, I, that was crazy. This is when I invested in noise-canceling headphones. And I really turned the music up. Because I worked in a newsroom. So I just, like, put my headphones on. And I was like, I don't care. I'm just going to do what I got to do. But I was like, there were so many, like, small, minute things where she would, like, snap at me. Or she'd be like, you don't know how to do this. It only takes, like, five minutes to do this. I'm like, I'm a junior designer. I don't know that this takes five minutes to do. Because you you've never shown it to me. But there were very, like, obscure kind of things that I certainly were like, something's wrong with this. But it wasn't until she actually like passed out in the hallway that I was like, oh no, they don't care about her behavior. And then that's when like coworkers out of the woodwork would come and be like, oh Monique, you didn't see her like passed out on the lunchroom table two weeks ago? What? She was what on the lunchroom table? I thought she was yeah, she like passed out upstairs in the cafeteria. Everyone was there. What are you talking about? <laughs> like why didn't anyone come to me and be like, hey, are you okay? Because we see that this behavior is not acceptable and we want to check and make sure. I'm like this, I'm a, her direct report. So I think that, you know, all of that to say, there are definitely signs that you need to move on from a company. Some of them can be very, very obscure. Some of them are going to be very transparent. I think that mentally where that kind of comes in mind was there was a lot of imposter syndrome when I was at that stage in my career. So I thought I needed someone. She was an incredible and phenomenal designer. I will not take that away from her. She was amazing. However... That was the time when I started to realize how many, um, how many uh, issues, like mental issue, not mental. I don't want to say it like that, but how many? Uh, what's the best way to frame this? 
how much uh, depression and psychological issues play a part in designers' everyday lives. Like, I am abnormal as a designer, I think, for a lot of people because, like, I don't have a drinking problem. And mentally, I, I feel like I'm okay most days. And I don't have a bunch of piercings and tattoos. And I don't do Not that this. piercings and tattoos yeah. are a kind of mental health. No, 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 no. <laughs> but just, like, that's that's what I heard people, like, associate with like mental health issues as a designer. It's like, oh yeah, you're not really a designer, Monique, because you don't have like 50 tattoos and you don't have sleeves and you don't do this and you don't do that. And I was like, well, not every designer has all of those things. But that instance, relatively young in my career, is when I started to realize that people were making a correlation between design and mental health issues and that I needed to be a lot more protective with like what I counted as acceptable behavior in a corporate setting or environment. And when... I had to choose my limit because I feel like at any corporate entity that I've probably ever been at in the entirety of my career, no matter if it was a Fortune 500 company or a startup, there are subtle, there are things that you kind of learn are not acceptable behavior and you have to take yourself out of that. I've never met an HR person for the most part, although I have met some amazing HR people or legal legalese at companies in, in general who are like that behavior is not acceptable and they address it on the spot. Well, you'll find too that a lot of HR, they're not looking out for you. Yeah. They're looking out for the, for the overall company. company. Yeah. So do not think that HR is your ally. Yeah. They're not trying to fire people. Yep. If anything, if you're the you're the problem mm -hmm. for having problems with certain behavior, then you can go. Yeah. Because you're the the Yeah. What is it? The nominal factor? Yeah. What is it? The uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Did, it's not denominal factor. It's not, denominal it's not singular factor. factor. <laughs> we can call it whatever. Whatever. Yeah. It's you, our podcast. Common denominator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you are the common denominator. Mm -hmm. um, but there's also another sign, which maybe it's not behavioral, which um, I had mentioned earlier, which is just growth in yeah. the company. I did the same job for nine years, mm -hmm. I never did anything different. When I came on, there was a process in place that took six hours. Within yep. me being at the company, within three months, I had that six-hour process down to three. By the time I left, that three-hour process was down to 20 minutes to an hour mm -hmm. because I had streamlined everything. Yep. So I sat at my desk and twiddled my fingers mm -hmm. and I would go to my manager and be like, is there anything I can learn? Can I take more additional branding things. Can I learn somebody else's position so I can help out if mm -hmm. they're out? And it was always a no. Yeah. So that's kind of the, one of the reasons I pivoted to grad school because I was like, there is no, at my current stage, there's no room for growth. Yeah. So the only way to grow is to get this degree and then maybe do a lateral somewhere else. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I would say value alignment is incredibly high. And I, I, I have to tell people all the time, just because your values align with a company in the beginning of you being there doesn't mean that it will stay that way. I think the values of a company changes over time. So what they might think of as something that's incredibly important to their overall business structure, as time kind of goes on, you'll start to figure out if the values that they told you in the beginning, because, you know, values always sound good in an interview. It always sounds good, you know, as a little mantra for a company. And it certainly looks good on a company website. But as you get into the ether of, of different organizations, you'll realize if they live the values that they actually promote, and you'll figure out if you have value alignment with the, what their values are. So you need your own core set of values that you can measure whatever against so that you know this is going to work for me or this is not going to work for me, and then you can do what you need to do. Growth is a big one, too. If I 
I always tell people I'm either going to be making a crap ton of money and not learning anything, or I'm going to be learning everything and I'm not going to be making as much money, but it's either or. I'm never going to take a job where I'm not learning anything and I'm not making money. If you're going to pay me 300K to just sit in an office, I'll work on my own stuff. I'll do what I got to do. I'll figure out how to learn on my own. But if you're going to pay me $50,000, I'm not going to learn anything and I'm just going to be sitting there. You're not going to have me for long. I wouldn't accept a position like that. Yeah, I think because I was sitting at my desk for so long, not doing a dang thing, mm-hmm. um, I was able to grow and learn and do the design work from yep. the classes and everything. And actually, here's another toxic trait, is that when my manager approved me to go to grad school, the older graphic designer, mm-hmm. was she was always intimidated by me. And to the point where, like, she wouldn't share her designs until they were approved. And, like, nobody would ever consult me, even mm-hmm. though, like, I was going to school and I yep. did best practices. And the day I got approved for grad school, she was, like, in tears and saying how unfair it was. And she wouldn't talk to me for weeks after that. And I'm like, all you had to do was ask or figure something out. Like, I'm doing evening classes and weekend classes. Wow. Like. Yeah. I I don't think that anything has ever been that overt for me. One, because you should not test me in that manner. I will get fired. Um, but two, I think that there have always been like snide little like comments and stuff like that, like under your breath or in a break room to someone else. But I've never had someone be so overt with like wanting me not to grow. Like what what did it matter to her if you grew or not in your relative field outside of the fact that she wasn't doing it for herself, which is a personal problem. So like, I've I've definitely had overt things. I did get, uh, I got laid off once. And when I was getting laid off, this woman was like, are you going to cry? And I was like, no. And she was like, why not? And I was like, because I don't care about this job. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand. I've already mentally checked out. Yeah. I was like, bro, we're done. (laughs) You said we're done. I'm done. We're good to go. And she was like, oh, I'm just like, I'm just shocked that you're not going to cry. And to me, that was like the most overt that anyone has ever That's been to like me. almost an insult. Yeah. I was like, what do you mean? Why? I said, why would I cry? And she was like, well, I just laid you off. And I was like, yeah. And I'm about to go eat pancakes and drink vodka. So we're good here. <laughs> I'm like, are we done? Let me wrap this up. And anytime I always tell my managers, like even in a joking fashion, and I do mean this, um, if you're going to lay me off, do it in the morning. I don't want to be here until five o'clock. And then you lay me off. That feels stupid to me. Lay me off early in the morning. I can go get my pancakes and vodka and then keep on going about my business. I do not have time to be sitting up in here with you until 4.55. And then you lay me off at the end of the day after you got a full day's worth of work. Let me go home. Okay. So I have one more story and then it's going to transition into our next part. Okay. So I was at my job. I was so bored. Mm -hmm. And they were switching from one system to another. It was very obvious my department was going to be shut down. I was going on maternity leave soon and they didn't get me a temp. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we got a temp for the first pregnancy. Why wouldn't we get a temp for the second one? Yep. So I knew something was coming. I started to slowly empty my desk out yep. and went away on a like week-long staycation. And during the staycation, I was starting to network for my business, Harper Designs. Mm-hmm. And so I already knew in my mind, like, I do not want to be doing this long-term, but I'm going to take these opportunities where I have nothing going on at my job to build my other business so I can just like mm-hmm. navigate away. And while I was on this vacation, uh, I was actually in or staycation. I was in a networking group. I got the call, uh, went outside and she was like, let go, no emotion, nothing, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I did cry yeah. just because like oh, my health insurance, mm-hmm. didn't, but my husband has better health insurance. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> um, my 401k. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but then that night we had a networking event and people were like, oh my God, Jessica, I can't believe you're here. I'm like, yeah, what am I, like, what am I going to do? I got to grow my business. Mm-hmm. I got to get to work. Yep. So this brings me to the next point of how do you know when it's time to navigate to entrepreneurship? So I will say that maybe because of the culture that we are in right this second, it seems like a lot of people are migrating to entrepreneurship. I don't necessarily think it's for everyone. If you're not someone who's going to motivate yourself, if you're not someone who's going to be like actively going out there and trying to get it, that is probably not the best thing for you. There is the there is beauty in sitting at a desk at a corporation who is paying you over six figures and you just kind of sitting there twiddling your thumbs if that's what you want to do. If you're not interested in learning anymore and you just want the security of a nine to five, absolutely do what you got to do. But I think that one of the things that you have to realize when you start to get into entrepreneurship or if you're thinking about that transition is like, you know, you have to source out like, you know, where you're going to get your money, how you're going to get it, what networking looks like. You have to validate that, you know, your services are actually needed in in some market um, and whatever the organization or whatever your customers are, whatever the case is. I think there's some sense of passion. I think that you have to be financially prepared. If you got laid off, then, you know, generally, but not all the time, you'll get a severance. So that's a little bit of money to hold you over while you kind of like ponder this idea of whether this is feasible for me. But if you didn't, then unemployment filing quickly, you need to do that. BT dubs. I need yeah. to do that. Um, <laughs> but um, I think that those are some of the things that I would at least start to think about is like, what do I want to do for my business? Is this scalable over time? Is this something I'm truly passionate about? Because I think that whenever you go into entrepreneurship, your business usually becomes your baby and it becomes like a headache. So I love my daughter. She's amazing. But also she was up at three o'clock in the morning last night and I would have preferred someone else be her mother at that particular junction. (laughs) Anybody. (laughs) And her father was not there to take her. So I think that you have to You have to discern for yourself why entrepreneurship is the right path for you and then figure out some practical steps to get you where you're actually looking to go. So you're saying a three-year-old, or I'm sorry, a 3 a.m. wake up is keeping you from entrepreneurship. Yep, 100%. (laughs) She was up, she was playing. Zuri's doing this new thing where she screams. It's Yay. like her doctor is like, she's finding her voice. Well, she need to find it quieter. Okay. Because <laughs> I don't like it. But like she literally, it's from Miss Rachel too. I'm so tired of Miss Rachel right now. But Miss Rachel is like, this is loud and this is quiet. And the loud part, she got that like nobody's business. Although when you say shh, she goes shh. So she'll scream and then she'll tell other people to shush after she screamed. We got kicked out of the hospital because Zuri was screaming last week. Nice. Yeah. I was like, well, I'll just take my one-year-old and leave. I was like, I get it. People are recovering. She's on the floor of being a menace to society. And uh, they were like, yeah, she's a little quiet. We got some complaints. And, you know, we just need you to vacate this premises and go somewhere else. I was like, look at you get kicked out of hospitals at one. I'm so proud of you, girl. You're going to get kicked out of plenty of places. But the, but at least those are some of the things that I think that you need to do is you need to be focused on, you know, what you want to do. You need to devise a plan. If entrepreneurship isn't working for you after three months or six months or nine months, whatever it is, I think there's nothing wrong with going back into the workforce. I also tell people, I personally don't think that you should quit your job in order to pursue entrepreneurship full time. I think that you can do both. Um, you have to do it in a smarter way, you know, cause you aren't able to take a 1am or a 1pm call with someone. But I think that 
the steadiness of your salary will help you pivot to the places that you need to go to. Also, businesses are expensive. You have to buy a lot of things. You have to do a lot of things and you need a source of revenue to do that. Oh yeah. Like with Creative Circle right now, we are getting business cards. We're getting swag. Yep. We're getting um, just everything. And mm-hmm. it's expensive. Yeah. Computers. So, yeah. Just, and so like, lot. you know, then you're using money from mm-hmm. your stable job to yep. pay for your entrepreneur job. So yep. you really have to find a balance. And it, I'm not going to lie. It's difficult when you have a family yes. and responsibilities. Yes. Um, but what you can do is if you are absolutely hating your job and entrepreneurship has been on your mind for a while, Start reading some books, Mm -hmm. listening to podcasts, and understanding that there is more to starting a business than just getting your first client. There is the legality of it, Mm -hmm. um, the marketing and promotion, finding Mm -hmm. your first client, all these things which we've talked about in some of our earlier podcasts. Um, But there is a lot that goes into entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you get paid, you don't just take that money and deposit it right into your bank account. Like yeah. you have taxes still. Ooh, taxes. Do not forget that. <laughs> taxes. Those numbers are not friendly. I don't like it. But yeah, those are things that you need to consider. And I think that what we did was we created like a checklist. So we checked off things as we went. So, oh, we need a name for the business. We need to make sure that the URL is available. We need to, you know, trademark it if we want to. We need to go through the process of deciding whether you want to do an S-Corp or an LLC. You need to start creating a logo. You, you need to start, you know, marketing your business and your services. Even if your website isn't up, you need to secure your Google My Business. You need to da 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 da, da. There's a million things to do. And um, I think that some people think that entrepreneurship could be easy because you're just your own boss. But like when you work a job, you know, and that job is remote, you can get up at, you know, 9.03 and get into work or 11 o'clock if you don't have any meetings and kind of do whatever you want to do and you still get a salary. But it's different for designers because we don't all feel that creative spark at nine o'clock in the morning. Some creatives work really well at night. Yeah. So, um, but at a corporation, they don't care that we work well at night. Like your hours it is are nine to is, five yeah. and you need to be here. And, but that's the, the beauty of entrepreneurship at three o'clock in the morning. If we're like, Oh, I just got this crazy, amazing idea. I'm going to go and aggressively work at that. I'm going to work from three in the morning until 11 AM. And then I'm going to take the rest of the day off. You can. Yeah. While we're in this transition of merging, uh, Jenkins creative and Harford designs into creative circle, I am still closing out Harford Designs clients mm-hmm. and all their small little things that I used to do on a day-to-day. I'm yep. like, okay, I need to hire somebody now to do this so I can focus on big picture stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, we're not at that point where I'm like, okay, time to hire somebody. Yeah. So then it turns out like I only have time to focus on cir- creative circle when the kids are in bed. Yep. And sometimes you'll be texting me and I've passed out with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, I'm always no, but like, her. we'll be working on something. And next thing I know, it's one o'clock in the morning. Yep. I'm like, I need to go to bed because I wake up at seven. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm still trying to figure out that whole schedule with children thing. I got to ask you about that. But yeah, I'm like, you know, for me, after Zuri goes to bed, it's a good time to like focus. The house is quiet. It's amazing. Or coming into the office and like not being around my daughter. Love her though. Not being around her or not being around like the hustle of home. Like when you're home, you just find things to do. Or at least I do. I'm like, oh, the dishes need to be done. Let me just do that real quick before this like conference or meeting or whatever the case is. Oh, I can hear Brian in the background. He's being too loud. He's playing video games. He's yelling at somebody about shooting somebody or whatever the case is. Let me go get him to quiet down real quick. Oh, the baby wants me let me just you know go do something for her oh it's lunch time and I was like the day flies by so 
much more quickly now that I feel like I'm an entrepreneur full-time than it ever did when I was in a corporate setting. I find that those little moments are helpful in resetting. So I can sit at my desk and the next thing I know it's three o'clock and I got to go pick up my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, But God bless the Apple watch for reminding me to stand Uh, up once an hour because I'll be like, okay, I'm going to stand up. I will go put the laundry on the line real Mm -hmm. quick. Because I still, I'm yep. an old lady and I hang my laundry. Um, when <laughs> it's nice that <laughs> You posted that picture on Facebook. I was like, why is she hanging up her laundry? It was oh the first <laughs> nice day in 2024. So I hung up all my laundry on the laundry line. <laughs> I'm an old lady. Um, or over the summer or spring, like I will go out to the garden. I'm like, okay, let me go prune for 10 minutes. And as soon as I'm all bit up by mosquitoes, I come back inside and I get back to work. And yep. it's also like my motivation of like, I need to get this done because I do want to go back out to my garden Mm -hmm. and I want to spend hours there, not just 10 minutes. So um, I do appreciate working from home, but this is my first time in our new office, uh, which Monique secured. And I got to say, it's impressive. And if I did not live an hour away, (laughs) I would be excited to drive down to this location. Yeah, I thought about expanding the office space. I'm like, just as I'm driving down. I might. I might. Um, but yeah, I was like, it's nice sometimes to just be able to like bounce ideas off of each other in a live setting. I think that that's helpful. Um, but also sometimes for me, it's just helpful to put my headphones on and just like work aggressively. I'm one of those people who like, if I can like have a snack somewhere, cause I need food to like live, but if I can have a snack and I can put my headphones on, I can work for the next like 15 hours without thinking about it. Like, I forget about everything else. I forget that I need to go to the bathroom. I forget that I need to eat. I forget everything. I just, like, focus. I will be in a zone, and I'm like, I have had to pee for the past three hours. But God forbid if I get up from this desk, Mm -hmm. because I'm going to lose my mojo. Or So my husband's a Baltimore City police officer, and he'll be off randomly in the middle of the week. And last week he was like, oh, after the kids go to school, do you want to go to the grocery store with me? I was like, no, because it's going to set me up for failure. Mm -hmm. So one of the things with entrepreneurship is you do need to focus. And if you have too many distractions, you're just not going to be able to get it done. Um, So maybe corporate office space is the thing for you. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I just, I think it's nice to just like, remove myself from my family just a smidgen I I just (laughs) there are so many little moments throughout the day that I enjoy with my daughter like I think the best part of being an entrepreneur at this particular junction is being able to like watch her grow and to pick up like new skills and habits even though she's screaming right now is to pick up new things and I could be like oh I would have missed that moment if I had to like go to a job nine to five every single day and that's not what I want like I want to watch her grow up I also want to escape her sometimes, but like for the most part, it's nice to be able to like take 10 minutes to be like, I want to just go play with my kid. You know, this is a huge plus, especially for moms out there, especially new moms. Yeah. Because when you think about like, okay, I'm going to work. My kid's going to go to daycare. Daycare is expensive. We were sending two kids to daycare at one point, $2,600. I was like, that's a paycheck and a bit. You know, so I'm paying, I'm going to work to pay for daycare so I don't get to see my kids and my money's gone. Yep. So it is nice when you get to set your own schedule, especially Mm -hmm. as, like I said, a creative, you can work at night and have that family time. Um, What's a good, how do you know, like you've got a good idea to be an entrepreneur? Like, oh, I design stuff. Yeah. I mean, I always think about like, going back to like whatever your specific like values are, you know, how you want to, how you want to think about that in your business. There are a lot of designers out here, designers 
on Fiverr, they're designers on a bunch of different platforms. I think you have to figure out, you know, what your specific niche is for your clients, how you can best the system. And it has to be something that's a little bit catchy or, um, or like spark, like an idea that kind of sparks for a audience or, or a client or something like that. Like for me, I knew that we specifically wanted to focus on like creating designs that affected change out in the physical space. So one of the things that we haven't gotten a chance to do yet, but I used to do a lot is do event design. And I love the idea of seeing a website transitioned into like a physical space. So like having an event, doing like stage and set design, being able to design like the little pamphlets and brochures and things that people kind of take away and creating an environment where people get to like interact with a more physical space. I love web design. I like it. I like, you know, all the digital stuff, but I also like being able to get someone in a physical space and see how they interact with the things, the elements that I've put yeah. in front of them. I think one of the big values for us with Creative Circle is the community engagement factor. Yes. Um, so maybe it's not for you know, us getting all of our clients together mm -hmm. in one room and making a community, but it's helping our clients build on their community base. Yes. But I, I think that we can leverage that too. Like I, one of the things, this is fresh off the pot because I didn't tell Jessica about this. Um, one of the things that I really would like to do is to be able to create maybe an exclusive like Facebook group that we can put all of our clients into so that they can utilize each other's services. Like I think like community in the sense of, you know, them connecting with the relative places and where they live, that's an awesome part of community, but community with other businesses that they can leverage for whatever services and stuff like that. Like, you know, even thinking about like Evan, like we're talking about like, oh, he could do our social media posts, but also we hate social. So we should pass that off to someone else. You know, if we have clients who come in and are like, hey, we need someone to like leverage our social we certainly can recommend them to someone else that we know is better suited for those services. Also happy to white label under you guys. You guys <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We love a good white label. Yes, we say, do. <laughs> you shouldn't just push them to us. You should make some money off of the social oh, media yeah. stuff. Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah, I always do a 30% markup, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> tell us how much you want to make off it. We'll, we'll do, do reverse uh, percentages. Be like, I want to make this much and then just reverse it up and we'll do, we'll work with you however you want. Yeah. That's our producer ever divorced, yeah, by the way. Evan coming in hot. Uh, but um, one of the things that like I think is important is is community among businesses. Like I think that you know we so often pass. Like I have a friend who has another friend who does like event promotion and stuff like that for businesses. I'm like, you never told me. Like you've never connected the fact that we both do a very similar thing that I might need someone to you know design an event space that I need to curate from a design perspective, but like also don't want to physically go in the space or a project manager or someone. I always think it's really nice to have this idea of community around our clients because we're picking clients based on like what we think is um, some sense of value alignment. And if they can align with our values, they probably have very similar value structure to aligning to other clients that we've worked with in the past. Absolutely. Let's talk about financial preparedness. Now, you were kind of in a similar situation to me mm -hmm. where bored at your job, started working on your other company while still working at your corporate job, got laid off. Mm -hmm. um, and now there's this pivot to make money. Yeah. You got to, uh, you can't just, you know, we got, you got to get your first client. So yeah. how, how have you prepared since you knew, you knew this layoff was coming? I did, but I think that there's a difference between like knowing and being in it. So like I knew hundred percent that it was coming, but like I mentally 
like preparing for like, <laughs> you ain't getting no paycheck next week. <laughs> that was a difficult transition for me. So I know one of the things that I did, I, I shared this with Jessica, is like I went through probably like a month or two ago, I went through all of the services and stuff like that that I have that are just like little things that hit our account that really don't mean anything and don't seem to add up to much. Um, that ultimately ended up adding up to like $800 a month. We were spending on like random services. We got Netflix, we got Hulu, we got Dropbox, Didn't we got Zoom. Didn't you send me a list and it yeah. was like, we spent $900 eating out at restaurants this month. It's $1,300. We spent about $1,300 <laughs> a month spending. Ridiculous. Like, I, not Cook at home. We, yeah, we, we buy I'm, groceries I'm too, which is ridiculous. It, it's not even eating out. We, uh, M is like in the running phase. Like mm -hmm. I'm just, I told you, I'm on your side with this, but yeah. it's a lot of door dashing these days because I'm too afraid to take her to a restaurant because she won't sit down. Yep. Uh, iPads. Just, I can't believe I became that parent. Yeah. Tablets. Yeah. I'm not, and I'm not, I know I'm such a freaking millennial. I'm not like anti it. Mm -hmm. I'm just, my, my, I always phrase it this way I'm afraid that she's going to want it. Yeah. That's how I phrase it. Like, I, mm -hmm. I, I show her yeah. Miss Rachel. Yep. You know what I mean? And like, I'm just, I'm so afraid that she's going to want it. Yeah. That's I where that. I try to resist as well, much as possible. The yeah. other thing we do, we alternate if we bring the iPads or if we bring like one of those whiteboards where like yeah. you trace your letters. Mm -hmm. So again, we, we try to bring in the educational. You know yeah. I'm all about that. Education. We just started a budgeting app. If you're looking, because uh, I know that you knew that number really quick. It's mm -hmm. called YNAP. So you need a budget. YNAP. It was like super highly rated. Okay, my rated. husband's been looking for one. Yeah, it's super highly rated. And it's, and it's, it's called, I think it's called like zero dollar budgeting, meaning that every dollar has a task. Yeah. So no matter mm -hmm. what, it has to go somewhere. Even if it's savings, like you can't let a dollar exist coming into your bank account without it mm -hmm. going somewhere. Yep. Um, so you knew Smart. that number really fast. And I was like, we just started one of these things. And also, it's good as business owners because we pay ourselves, which is kind of weird. Yep. And I mean, it's weird in the sense that like, like Megan's car is a bill. It's not our bill. It's the company's bill. But so I didn't want it on our budget, but we have to see it's coming out. We have to see how much is leaving our business bank account. How much can we pay us? So with YNAP, you can have, which I didn't find this in Rocket Money, Mint, any of them. Mm -hmm. You can have like your business one and yours. So you can see like oh. business bills are paid. We have X left over. We can pay us X. Oh, um, so as entrepreneurs, things to think about when you're entrepreneurs yeah. and whatever and going in, it's so freaking complicated to pay oh, yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So we switched to uh, S Corp. Yep. We just um, made an S Corp. Yeah. Well, we were in LLC, switched to an S Corp based on the advice of an accountant. Mm -hmm. um, don't take this as tax advice. Do whatever <laughs> you're supposed to do. Um, I'm just telling you the advice we were given. So that way we can write freaking everything off. You guys yep. should put your cars through it. Yeah. I mean, everything. Me um, paying off my car was just a trash yeah. move. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, EV car. I still have to pay on it, but I just drove it down here to the office today. Yeah. So, right. so there's no, but there's no reason the company shouldn't pay for your vehicle. Mm -hmm. in you know, if you're using it for company stuff, most of the time, yep. um, then you pay it through there. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. Car insurance. Mm hmm. That could be yours, you know, nice. whatever. But either way, like the more the point is like it's a good like it's a separation thing. So when you're thinking about, you can't just like funnel your money from your. You need to have a business checking. Yeah. Put it in the business checking yep. account. Super important. Evan mm -hmm. coming in with vital advice. Yeah. Yeah. So business checking because these are things like you're like, oh, it's great. And then they'll pay me. Like mm -hmm. no, they pay your company. Yeah. Anyone that's ever hired Megan or I, we never get paid. Mm -hmm. It's always the company. One, it's just easier because it's freaking yep. confusing if they pay you and then they 1099 you and it's a whole thing and you send mm -hmm. W nine. It's insane. Yeah. So you, like once you get your LLC established or whatever it is, always get your company paid and then you decide how much you pay yourself because you can save on taxes if you can just funnel a ton of expenses through the company first mm -hmm. and then pay yourself as little as you absolutely need to like to survive. Mm -hmm. That's like a tax. Savings. Do you guys use like a payroll uh, software in order to pay yourselves, or you yeah. just um, QuickBooks does have one. If, like, if you mm -hmm. want to keep it all in the family, like I love how everything can be QuickBooks. Yeah, QuickBooks I'm like checking QuickBooks. all of it. Uh, so we use QuickBooks for everything. I was using QuickBooks checking. I'm bailing on it because it doesn't integrate into YNAP, and mm -hmm. it's just it's just annoying. Um, 
if that doesn't matter. But like they have their own payroll, so make your life easy. You can do that one. But we use, and this is only based on a recommendation, uh, it's called Patriot Payroll. Um, I, I didn't do any like research this versus that or anything like that. It was my brother's, they have like an accountant, like full-time accountant that works with all of his restaurants and Mm -hmm. her husband has a company and they use Patriot. And I was just like, okay, I I think it's like $15 a month. So what we do is we pay ourselves paychecks through Patriot Mm -hmm. and then we do distributions, which is just direct deposited through QuickBooks to our bank account. Nice. But it's important that you keep an Excel sheet running. Here's another fun tax thing because you can't let it be a bigger gap than 6040 because you do technically pay less tax on distributions, mm-hmm. um, which the government's like, go after yourself. So you can you can do up to 60% distributions, 40% payroll, um, which is nice. But like, really, if you could do 100% distro, that'd be amazing, but you can't. Yeah. Um, so like we have an Excel sheet running and we just keep it going back and forth in like 60, 40, 60 to make sure like it always lines up by the end of the year. Dang. Nice. You need to send us your spreadsheet minus the, yeah. minus the numbers. Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's not... It's, it's and the, it's free download. Yeah, it's, Give them your email address. This is the second okay. opt-in offer that we were telling you about, Evan. It's the most boring spreadsheet ever. It's literally just Love. like, this was payroll, this was distro, and then you just do a percentage math so mm-hmm. you can just make sure you're not... Yeah, I don't do math. You're not going to the wrong side of it. Yeah. Get an accountant. Yeah. I'm happy to send the sheet is a real yes. boring sheet it's yes. not that exciting <laughs> no you don't need to send it um, it's like, one, it's, like it. one, it's one formula so <laughs> evan chiming in was a great example of the next thing you need mm-hmm. when you're starting your entrepreneurial journey which is creating a support system yeah here we are having a good engaging conversation and then i ruined it and interrupted no <laughs> evan the producer jumped in he had something important to say yep. that you and i would not have first of all you took notes yeah and I'm going to be asking you for those notes. Yeah. So you need to have a good community around you. If, you know, one of the things that was really and is still very difficult for me is that my mother has never considered my job, my business to be a real job. Yeah. Um, no, I cannot no. talk to her about anything related to my business. And in fact, uh, the other day she said something like, well, maybe it's time you go back to corporate. And uh-huh. it's very difficult. But... So I, I know not to talk about business with, with her, her. Yeah. but my husband has never once through the ups and downs of the business has never once said, you need to go back to corporate. Mm-hmm. He will go in for overtime, which is easy when you're a police officer. Yep. He will go in for overtime, but he also understands the value of me staying home mm-hmm. because we have the kids. And yep. I don't know how these parents do it yeah. when you've got to get your kids on the bus, off the bus, you're paying for aftercare, you're paying for full-time daycare. Yeah. So, I mean, really... Me working the job that I have, even when we have those really down months, Mm -hmm. it equates financially. Um, So again, this just goes back to say like, you know, you need to have somebody who has your back, whether it's a partner or a best friend who's always rallying for you. My best friend in Germany, I was having a down moment and she called me just to say like, you are amazing. You Mm -hmm. and Monique are doing great things. And she wanted to call just to talk about like an upcoming client call we had and like total cheerleader. Thank you, Emily. (laughs) Um, But you have to have people in your corner who support you. Mm -hmm. My friends, less great. Davey, Ty, you know who you are. Um, but Brian is incredible. Like he's, he'll be like, like he's like, I'll pick up a second job. Like I'll do whatever we got to do to just like make it through, which I'm like, that's not necessary. But um, I, I have found that you have to find the right people to have those conversations with. Yeah. You can't include everyone in your ideas. You can't let everyone know about like what's coming. You just have to prove it. 
And then I think that sometimes when you get to a certain level of proof, then people start to believe that like this is a tangible thing that you can do. The other thing is that you have to remember, like just because you start your business today does not mean that, you know, by the end of the month, maybe at the end of the year, you're pulling in the same numbers you made at corporate. Yep. You know, you have to give yourself some leeway. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I started my business three months later, COVID, thank you very much. Mm. But the second year, I reached six figures. Yep. And if you had been the first year of COVID been like, you need to go find corporate, you need to find corporate. Like, mm-hmm. okay, first of all, everyone in America was suffering that year. Yep. Um, and then I just needed to build up that base to get to that six figure mark. Mm-hmm. And, um, but you want to be gracious with yourself because it might not be year two or yep. three or four, yep. but you and I, We've been working with each other since the very beginning, even when we had our own agencies Mm -hmm. and we've got larger opportunities together than we had separate. Yeah. So sometimes it takes that, what what year is it? 2024 now? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it took me four years to get to this point where I said, okay, I have enough on my own without having corporate, you know, oh, I did this for so-and-so. Like, this is what I've done for myself. Mm -hmm. And now I'm ready to take it from like, you know, the, you know, $100 clients, which I gave up a long time ago. But like, you know, the $3,000 clients to, no, we're working with the $50,000 clients now. We're working with the $100,000 clients now. Mm -hmm. So you need to give yourself your own grace. Yeah. Yeah, I'm way less gracious with myself. I'm like, you need to be making money like now. I think I texted you the other day. I was like, I feel poor. (laughs) which i'm not (laughs) i'm like i'm like oh i feel poor um but to me that that financial aspect of it i'm always gonna work harder because i'm like you got bills you got babies you know diapers are 50 dollars a box um so you got stuff that you can do (laughs) i'm trying (laughs) but i'm like you have stuff that you can do but also i think that like you know in addition to the thinking about the financial aspect I do agree with you. You're not going to be where you were on day one. Um, however, I've seen businesses explode over the course of a week or a month or something like that. I think it's you put your own grind into it. Like I've made $80,000 in a week with like three clients. Because um, you'd bomb. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I can't do that work all by myself. Like I definitely leveraged you. Um, but I'm like, that. that's something that happened very quickly, very back and forth. But those are referrals. Those are the connections and the mentors and the advisors and the whoever else is are a part of my circle who like push those clients to me and in my space. Networking is big for me. I do a lot of networking in a bunch of different places, but also whenever I leave a job, I never like burn all the, I don't burn the bridges. Like I go and make sure that like I keep the people who were sacred to me. I ask them for their input and advice. I make sure to include them as a part of my process because I think that the people that you used to work with are probably some of the same people who will help to drive your business. You're going to hate me. I need to insert something from the daily. This six days ago on what was the date Uh, on the January 25th episode, they talk about the hybrid worker malaise Mm -hmm. and the value of actually going into work because now that, so many people work from home, you're not getting those connections and yep. you're you're not able to advance your career. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to the networking events. Yep. You don't have these people who can vouch for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do find those stats to be super interesting when that yeah. woman was talking. I can't remember what her name was. We'll, we'll link it in the yep. show notes. But mm-hmm. um, I thought it was a really interesting yeah. podcast because a lot of people, even if we're talking about remote workers, but this applies to entrepreneurs too. Like mm-hmm. 
you can't just go it alone. You need to leave your previous job, hopefully on good terms with people, Mm -hmm. people you can go back to or build a new network um, and continue to network, which we had a podcast on Mm -hmm. as well. And we know it's not always the easiest thing to do for some people, but you do have to put yourself out there. And Monique is an all-star at that. I wasn't always good at it. Speaking of me not being good at things, um, I will say in the beginning, I think we were telling stories about like, you know, jobs and, and different places and stuff like that. I got dinged at a job. I didn't get a promotion because they were like, you're not really like, you don't really network. You don't really like chill and vibe with the other people in the office. You don't really like go to the happy hours and stuff like that. And I was like, I just need to get like, I do the work and then I leave. I don't have to like go have a coffee with you or go drinking and stuff like that. And that was a big part of like the beginning of my career with some hindrance is that my coworkers felt like you're amazing. You do all the work, you get all the stuff done, but you don't like connect with us on a personal level. And okay. I was like, so, but I was like, I, I will say, cause you know, minority, um, as a black person, the the values that are instilled in you are just like, if you work hard enough, you're going to get to the place that you need to go. What I found being a corporate structure is it's not about how hard you work. It's about the connections that you know, in some respects, you got to work hard. That's a given. But sometimes I feel like that I have crossed more boundaries by knowing people and networking than I ever have as just like being an effective designer at an organization. Oh yeah, absolutely. Even though I left Wells Fargo or was let go, mm-hmm. And I barely interacted with the analysts there outside of like them sending me their reports. Mm -hmm. They will vouch for me on LinkedIn in a second. Yeah. And I'm like, we talk maybe once a month when you put out your big report. Yep. But thank you. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't undervalue that. Yeah. Like I've had coworkers send me Christmas presents. I don't know. There was a rumor that I started. (laughs) Ask of me. I don't know who started it. It It's probably me. But apparently someone said that I'm an amazing baker. I've never baked anything in my life, y'all. Okay. Besides box <laughs> brownies. cookies. No. <laughs> I have nothing for you. I have absolutely nothing for you. But someone started a rumor that I was a great baker because I was watching the Great British Baking Show. So my coworker sent me a bunch of like baking supplies and like crust and like fancy stuff. I have never used those things. I was like, I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to. I don't want to throw them away because they're brand new and they're like super expensive. Goodwill or food pantry. Yeah. But I was like, what the hell am I supposed to do with these baking things that I'm not going to do? And then one day I was like, I'm going to make a tart. I'm going to make it with this stuff that he bought me. And I bought all the ingredients and I was like, no, you're not. You're not going to make that. (laughs) I'm never going to make it. Chris is the baker at home. Like he will break. uh, Chris is the baker at home. He will bake like a loaf of bread. He bakes like, yeah, he'll bake it from scratch. Brian Secret. sucks. But I, I will never say no to cornbread from a packet. Oh, so good. That's my advice. Right now, okay. I'm hungry. <laughs> Back on track. <laughs> Let's talk about developing an exit plan. Um, I always tell people you need to have an exit plan when you go into an organization. I think it like you're putting yourself in a weird spot when you're like, I want to quit. What am I going to do? I always go into a company knowing exactly how long I'm going to be there. So I'll start and I'll be like, I probably got about a year here. I think a year is solid. I can learn everything I need to learn. I can make all the connections I need to make in probably about a year. And then, so I start my exit plan on day one. (laughs) Orientation, they're talking, they're like, we're so excited to have you. I'm like, when am I going to leave this place? (laughs) Um, Because that's just who I am. And I always tell people, you have to, like, I think for millennials, this that is true. 
the average millennial stays at an organization for about two years. So I think that you got two solid years to get all the things that you need to get before you transition to another company. And I think the average salary jump from one company to a next is like 20%. Mine's is 30. I'm not going to the next organization without at least a 30% pay bump, but that's how you get, you know, the most money that you're going to get. But, um, I, I specifically, I write down the values that I want to get from this organization and I write, um, and I check that list off as I gain those values. So I'm like, oh, you wanted to learn video. You can, you know, work with the video department to learn this, this, and this. When I learn that value I or learn that thing, I check it off. I'm like, okay, you got 10 more things to gain from this organization before you need to leave. Because then in that space, I feel confident enough to like have, you know, an exit strategy and not be here anymore. So at least for me, that's how I do it. When I was working at Wells Fargo, even though I was miserable, mm -hmm. the pay was just, I was just like, wow, I'm not going to get this anywhere else because yeah. I was talking to, you know, at the time, you mm -hmm. know, um, talking to people who graduated with me, they weren't making as much, uh, <laughs> they didn't get as much, uh, vacation leave and stuff. So I was really, and the 401k match. Yeah. So I was really grateful just to even have the paycheck coming in that I mm -hmm. didn't leave. Yep. But one of the things I did know, I did know that I was going to leave and I was going to wait until maternity leave to do it because I wanted my four months paid. Yeah. Um, so I had a plan in place that I was building my business. I was going to have my baby during those four months of maternity leave, build the business, and then maternity leave ends, bye-bye. Yep. Uh, they beat me to it by like six months. Mm -hmm. uh, it's cool. Um, but I had the plan in place. I knew what I was going to do. Yeah. Um, and I've heard I've heard a lot of people say that, at least a lot of my friends, male and female, when their wife went out on maternity leave or a woman, if she went out on maternity leave, um, I started setting the plan in motion that I wasn't going to be here. So you have maternity leave for four months. I have four months to like kill it. And that's hard when you have a newborn and you like are invested in them yeah. and you want to make sure everything is going good. But I feel like a lot of people that I know that jumped into entrepreneurship was like, I have a free schedule. She's not technically free. You have a baby. But I have a free schedule. I'm getting a you know a constant paycheck. I'm gonna take that time to invest truly into entrepreneurship, and then when I come back, I'm in a better place. I feel more confident. At least I got a couple clients. I know what it takes while still earning my steady paycheck. Yeah, and uh, for the women out there who are like, oh, I'm pregnant, or you know, one day I'm gonna be pregnant, and I'll use my maternity leave. Nobody's pregnancy and postpartum is the same. Yeah, and so don't look at what Monique and I have been able to do. Mm -hmm during this time and be yeah. like, I have to be able to do that. Yeah. I mean, I suffered through postpartum depression. Um, and it was, it was tricky. Yeah. Um, that was, that was the first baby. I still kind of knew I was going to leave, mm -hmm. but I didn't have the plan in place until the second baby. Yeah. Um, so, but anyways, don't judge yourself if that's kind of your plan. Yeah. And I, I will say I didn't have postpartum depression and I did absolutely nothing for my business while I was pregnant. Like I certainly had a plan and I talked to people who said they, that they did it and I was like, all right, you're going to kill it. You're going to do it. And I was just yeah. infatuated with my baby. I didn't want to do anything. There that is had to do nothing work. wrong with that. I was like, I'm not, I'm not, I was like, I know that you had these grand plans in your head, but the truth of the matter is you're not about to do none of that. What you're about to do is take this time to like really invest in this child that you just had. And that's the only thing I did. I literally did nothing. And that for me at least, was the only time in my entirety of my career where I stopped checking my work stuff. I check work stuff on vacation. It'd be three o'clock in the morning. I'm like looking at oh, stuff. Yeah. I'm that person. Like I just want to be in tune. 
that was the first time that I was like, I don't care about this job. I don't care about none of this stuff. I don't want to deal with any of this. I'm not going to open a Slack or email or whatever the case is. I just want to spend time with my baby. So don't penalize yourself if you don't get any of those. If you don't get anything aside from like conceptually, this is what I want to do as far as entrepreneurship is concerned done during your pregnancy or if you get nothing done at all that's fine too just like enjoy this new like phase of life it ain't easy so i guess at the end of all of this is to say when you're ready to be an entrepreneur you kind of know it you see where you're working do you hate what you do do you love what you do to the point that you want to do it out on your own Mm -hmm. um and just don't be too hard on yourself. Give yourself grace. And know that entrepreneurship is not easy. There's a lot of work that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would agree with that. I Give yourself as much grace as that you can afford. I think just being structured in your plan, writing out you know, what you intend to accomplish. But also, I will say, this isn't something that we said during the episode, but like create realistic goals. Like I've heard people say like, I don't, Instagram followers, I have zero. I'm going to get to 2 million by the end of this year. That's not feasible, okay? It's not, unless you like hit a viral video or something like that. social media is not a priority Yeah, so like, you know, if if your business, say you didn't want to be a YouTuber or something like that, like create smart goals for yourself that get you to the place where you want to go. And you're not going to go from zero to 2 million. You could say, hey, I want to get from zero to 5,000 by the end of this year. It's my goal to get to that place or whatever your respective goal is. But like- don't be outrageous in your goals because you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. And don't forget that you don't need to do this alone. Yeah. It is okay to white label under people. It mm-hmm. is okay to have people white label under you to subcontract things out. Yeah. You don't have to stretch yourself so thin just because, you know, oh, it's my first client. I've got to do everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're going to give a little money away, but the job's going to be done better. Yep. And consequently, you'll get additional clients because of that. Yeah. But don't. Don't don't give away too much of your money because I've seen <laughs> sometimes you work projects and you realize that you give away all your revenue and you don't have any money to pay yourself. So yeah, you know, just be strategic about what you're paying other people. Also, this is a tidbit: don't ever tell someone how much money you're going to get from a project because if you say, "Hey, I just signed a client for thirty thousand dollars," I guarantee you, when you when someone wants a white label under you, they're going to be like, "Oh, I charge fifteen thousand. No, you don't. You charge five hundred. But now, since you heard the number, you always elevate your price. So don't tell them. Just be like, I don't know the budget yet. What do you charge? Because it's not about what the budget is. It's about what they charge for the services that they render. They're going to tell you their value based on whatever numbers they've calculated in their own head. And you want to go off of that number. But I've certainly had another of too many conversations with people where I've been like, oh, I have a $100,000 client. And they're like, I think 50000 is fair. For social media, baby, you better get out of my face. <laughs> so, like, think about those things, too. Some some, some nuggets you have to keep to yourself. It, like, you, when you white label, some, some things you just have to keep to yourself. Once you sign them and all of that jazz, then you can say whatever you want to say. But I think in the beginning, at least, you know, people obviously want to make a living for their own business and their own self, too. And they can elevate their pricing as a result of, you know, what you said a client is going to bring in. And don't forget that just because you're starting out doesn't mean you need to start your prices out low. Yeah. Know what you're worth. Yes. Set the value. Mm-hmm. And people will get it. Yeah. People will get it. Yeah. People will pay for what they want. Awesome, guys. We're going to sign off at this point, but um, we're super excited, you know, to start this new year with you, have these conversations. We have some super exciting guests that are going to be coming up in the next couple episodes. Um, one after this one, you're going to meet 
Evan, officially me, Evan. Um, and then we have some super exciting um, people coming in February as well that you guys are going to love. So, so goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> As we conclude another episode of the Design Imposter Podcast, remember, self-doubt may be a universal experience, but it should never define your worth or potential. Embrace the power of your creativity, trust in your abilities, and continue creating fearlessly. You belong in this space, and your contributions are invaluable to your community and those around you. Thank you for being a part of the Design Imposter community, and don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and leave a review to help other imposters find us. Until our next episode, keep those headphones ready.